Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2018. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. I'm, I'm Damamon. Damamon. <laughs> the, the Digimon. Oh, I didn't come up with a cute nickname for myself. It's pretty easy. It would be Torimon. No, no, no. I want something more majestic, like Mega Lotorimon. Metal Torimon. <laughs> Metal, yeah. War Torimon. War Torimon. <laughs> well, War Tortle is one of my favorite Pokemon. Same. So by association, I approve yeah. of that Torimon and War Tortle were kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of conversations back in the day where people tried to like make up a Pokemon and they did something Mon, and you're like, no, that's not how you name Pokemon. That's oh, how yes. you name Digimon. Yes. This was back, you know, a long time ago when we were kids before we had access to, like, the information that we all really needed to have, like, such as the difference between Pokemon and Digimon. And, like, the full content of the Digimon wiki. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Which I'd spent some time on before. <laughs> <laughs> Myself as well. So, yeah, today we are doing a Digimon fan fiction. We are. Which is yes. my personal favorite anime, possibly of all time. Yeah, uh, Shogun Amato promised us a sweet, sweet release from, like, his personal favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, animes into some of our favorites, and we got uh, we got this. What, what yeah, was we your... got this. Hey, you also got the Star Trek Next Generation Sailor Moon crossover last week. <laughs> yeah, but you like Sailor Moon, so... Well, that's right. So finding that one was easy. Mm-hmm. And then and you had Dom a- trouble. Yeah, Dom accused me of um, choosing this fanfic to passive-aggressively punish you for requesting a series that you liked, mm-hmm. oh. which was not my intent, but if it had been, it would have been clever. <laughs> um, I think you just didn't have enough information about Digimon, which is fine. That's it's, true. It's fine. So, it's... Well, why did you pick this one, then? What was your uh, process? Let me tell you the story. I was looking for a Digimon fanfic. I was looking for an old Digimon fanfic. So, in the process of looking for that, I couldn't find any, like, non-fanfiction.net Digimon archives, which makes sense because Digimon came out in, like, what, 99? Late 90s, definitely. And so, like, yeah. people would have just gone on fanfiction.net and posted their fanfics there. Yeah. But I did find... It, it a... aired here in the year 2000, I remember that. Because okay. I was the same age as, as the main... Most of the main characters, 11, so... Right. <laughs> What I did find was a curated selection of Digimon fanfics on fanfiction.net, because you can, like, make lists or whatever. And that collection, let me pull it up, is called Legacy, an archive of classic Digimon fanfiction. And the description says, An even mix of the great fics from 2000 and the new greats of today. Absolutely the best Digimon fiction on the web. All couples and orientations welcome. And, oh, and of course, because everything you read on the internet is true. Yes, I yes. thought, random internet person, I trust you. <laughs> and so I looked at the oldest fanfics in that archive, because I'm going retro-retro, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I chose one that was a good length, and I found this one. It was My Youth by Tachikawa Mimi. Mm-hmm. And the, from the description, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fanfic about, like, the Digidestined reunited and, like, trying to deal with the shit that they went through when they were, like, ten. And sure. I was like, that sounds like a good premise. It That's does. not exactly what the fanfic's about. Um... But the description said, you know, they begin to come to terms with their rapidly disappearing childhoods and like... <laughs> yeah, I, the description makes it sound great, honestly. Yes. Yeah, I keep on forgetting Amato is such an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did open the fanfic. Mm-hmm. I looked at the first chapter. I was like, this, this seems fine. Like, nothing jumped out at me. 
then was terrible about it. And I looked at the list of chapters and, mm. you know, it has chapters, what, one through 10. And then it says end note. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yep, this is a completed fanfic that is definitely done and clearly must be good because someone said it is really good. So Amato, at any point during the selection process, did it cross your mind that a Digimon fanfic might probably should include actual Digimon? I believe they're mentioned twice. Yes. The 10 chapters of this fanfic. But they never appear. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it, it, it was weird to me too. Well, like I said, I didn't read the whole no. thing before I assigned it. And you also don't know that much about Digimon, and that's fine. So I, I, just, I hope that you Nobody's don't perfect. take this to be a representation of Digimon. I actually thought some of the characterization was fairly off in this. It was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not all bad. I'm not here to tear this thing down, but... Yeah, let's let's get into that. Um, so the fanfic, again, is called It Was My Youth. It is by Tachikawa Mimi. It's located on fanfiction.net. It was published September 2000 through February 2001. And I want to talk about two mm. things related to that. Was that before the end of the yeah, series, too? I want to say I it was just before Zero Two. looked it up. Mm-hmm. And Zero Two would have been at about that time, and it didn't end until, like, April. Would that have and been the U.S. airing? Because this That author, would have been the Japanese airing. Yeah, this author is using the names from the dub, so we can assume they've only seen the dub. They That's would have seen the dub, and, yeah. like, when I saw at the very beginning of this fanfic, oh, it's set after O2, I figured, well, clearly, O2 had been out, and they had set it afterwards. But, but in America, no. that would be, what, 2003? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really would have been working out, off of fan subs or whatever, Oh, on an incomplete O2. Yes. yes, yes. So they really didn't... They didn't get the series ending at the end of O2. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. They show them all grown up at the end of Zero Two and yeah, they, uh, married with kids. So they wouldn't have been working off of that ending at all. That's interesting. They do a, a Harry Potter ending at the end of O2. Uh, yeah. Great, I love Harry Potter but, endings. But it was actually... I liked it in Digimon. Of course, I was young when I saw it. But I thought it was sweet to like see them... The next generation of their kids having Digimon. But yeah, they kind of do that. But they don't pair everyone up. They pair like one couple up, right, Dom? Uh, there was one official canon couple within the Digidison yeah. that they mentioned. They go through all the characters and they say what their jobs are, including like yeah. UN representative uh, to the digital world, uh, Digimon detective. Yeah, and uh, they all work. And Sorry. the yeah. uh, characters of... Miyako and Kenji um, dub uh, Yoli, Yoli and, and Ken, Ken yes. are the only canon official couple. I've got to say the phrase UN ambassador to the digital world just did more to sell me on Digimon <laughs> than anything <laughs> oh else we two have talked about. That, that's literally the only last okay. 10 minutes of the last episode. I'm so, still sold. <laughs> it, no, Digimon is great. It really has a lot of pieces and it really it develops, like, especially... During the Myotismon saga, when they they come to the human world and people start to realize Digimon exist, it really kind of develops this whole like international, interworld, interdimensional relations kind of thing. And the Digimon origin story is really interesting too. So this is why it's still one of my favorite series. I loved it as a kid, but I think it's still fairly developed as a world as an adult. And I did when I was younger. I had a printout of Taichi and Agumon as adults, like working at their UN ambassador like careers, and they're both wearing suits, like even little Agumon. I had that hanging on my wall as a kid. He has a bow tie, I think. Doesn't yeah, I think yeah. so. It's very, very <laughs> cute. That's great. Uh, I read the first three volumes of the manga adaptation of Adventure hmm. a month ago. Yeah, the the manga adaptation's all right. 
it, it, it kind of gave me the impression, up, yeah. which is kind of good because the it really like the first twenty episodes of Digimon are pretty like slow in their own way, like and they're very episodic. Like this Digimon digivolves, this Digimon mm-hmm. digivolves, this Digimon digivolves. It kind of becomes. I think the series becomes better after all the Digimon kind of reach their um, uh, what are they? Their um, ultimate evolutions in the English or their? It's never they're never done digital. They're never done evolving. There's always a new yeah. Thing. <laughs> it's just a certain after their well, their champion is what they call it in the um, in the English dub. But by the means. way, episode fifty of Adventure O Two aired in America in May nineteenth, two thousand one. Oh okay. Well, so yeah, yeah, this author would not have had that available yeah. though. Um, and the other thing about how early this fanfic is is that after I read it, I looked back. I had the impression this was really early in the life of fanfiction.net. Mm-hmm. So I so I had the thought that maybe it wouldn't be very fanfiction.net e. Mm. It's very fanfiction.net e, but yes. it's it, still very early. Yeah, um, like each fanfiction.net piece has a ID number. And they seem to just go up sequentially, right? So, like, the first fanfic posted on fanfiction.net was number one, and it goes up. Mm-hmm. This fanfic was number 79,226. Well, so, it, about 80,000. But you can tell that mm-hmm. the user must have, like, applied for their account, gotten their account on fanfiction.net early because they got the name Tachikawa Mimi. That's yeah. true. Um, but just for comparison, in 2006, a Digimon fanfic from 2006 had a number just above 3 million. Mm. And current wow, current fanfics coming out on fanfiction.net, they're up to 13 million. So it's safe to say this was a ground floor fanfiction.net. Well, yeah, because yeah. they were exploring the digital world and they knew all the cutting edge uh, <laughs> yeah. websites. So the, this is one of the digital champions that's talked about in the opening. Exactly. <laughs> Digimon, digital monsters. Digimon, Digimon are, the champions. are the champions. They are. Yeah. So in addition to writing bleeding-edge fanfiction on a series that was still coming out in Japan and in America, uh, they were also on the ground floor of fanfiction.net and fanfiction.net culture. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Um, it is. Talking about those is more interesting yeah. than talking about the fanfic is going to be for me. Uh, what else can we talk about around this fanfic before we <laughs> yeah, talk about Yeah, without that? <laughs> diving into Now, there's a lot of things. Like, I didn't like this fanfic. I don't think it's a good fanfic. But... The author wrote it as a teenager, mm-hmm. and I just like to give props to actually writing things as a teenager and putting yes. them online, because when I was this author's age, I was writing MSTings of fanfics, where I got to make fun of other people's bad writing without <laughs> putting anything out there on a limb except my bad jokes. As we know, it's always yes, easier yes. to be a critic than to come I, up with the content, is. as you can see by this fan, this podcast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> where we are definitely not writing fan fiction. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and so, you know, like we've said before, we, we've hardly written our own fan fiction very much at all. But mm-hmm. for some reason, we are. Meanwhile, this author critical, was so. writing many, many different works at the same time, including um, an original romance called Lost Universe, mm. which is. I, I'm still impressed by that. I'm still <laughs> impressed by anybody who did that. At, at our age today. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So wait, how, how old was the author? Uh, they talk about taking their SATs the second oh. time in preparation for college admissions. Yeah. 16 so or 17. 17. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that, that's quite young. And, and what I will say is, you know, speaking of criticism, the author kind of acknowledged their own flaws in their notes too. Like, oh, I don't know if that was very good. Well, that's part... that was very youthfully, you know, kind of. Uh, I don't know, endearing. Like, That's part yeah, of yeah. the very particular fanfiction.net style patois mm. that I was kind of alluding to, and yes. I hate it and I can't stand it, but it's yeah. like understandable. I'm also I not sure I'm, I'm fond of your pronunciation of patois. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. 
Patrick. And I'm an English major. Uh, well, are you a French major? <laughs> Heck no. It's a um, is the devil's language. It's a version of speech particular to one group. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like fanfiction.net authors. Like Jamaican patois. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, yes. Okay. Gotcha. And so the way that the, the before and after each chapter notes are written is very fanfiction.net, and I hate it, but mostly <laughs> it's because I get this like secondhand embarrassment from it, because it's, it's people who are, I don't want to say desperate, but like really interested in validation, right? You know, I can really, like, knowing this is written by a teenage girl, Mm -hmm. I have to say, like, I can really empathize with that. Like, I know now, as an adult, not to that, like, desperately seek out validation Mm -hmm. because it puts other people in an awkward position. Um, If you're self-critical, it makes people think, like, oh, I need to promote this person and it, it can really weigh people down it can be a, a tactic for manipulation but i don't think the author necessarily knew that they just felt insecure and and they felt like they needed to say it and i feel like yeah i i i, I agree with you Avato. like it is it's a frustrating thing to hear from someone but knowing it's just a teenager it's like okay well how we were all very insecure and we never knew i didn't know when to keep my mouth shut i hardly do now uh emotions are like overflowing out of me i also get even the, more so than now <laughs> i also get the impression this is a very um supportive community that they were mm-hmm. part of yeah that they're very sure. used to people validating each other and seems like, being yeah. there for each other yes yes, yes. yes. it's always that nice. nice yeah there's always those like requests for reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very fanfiction.net because there's a way in place for people to like leave reviews or notes. Like when I published my MSTings, what we did was we just suffered. We like added, had no comments. That was like the old school fanfiction way. You posted your like email right, address and it was right. like, is anyone reading this? Maybe someone will send me an email yeah. sometime. I got like two of them. Uphill, my... uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I, I'm not saying we weren't like super interested in hearing from people we just like didn't talk about it mm-hmm. sure, in the sure. in the outside of fanfiction.net fanfiction well, publishing culture i actually am kind of curious as, uh, as to like maybe there is some sort of like very liminal like gendered component to the this thing where like girls started getting into writing mm-hmm. and this is back when we were teenagers and we all kind of like didn't really understand gender very well but like these people identified as girls um, started getting into nerdy stuff like anime and started writing and it almost seems like a more supportive community was developed out of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's reaching a little far. I, I think that's probably right. I don't think, that, think that's reaching considering that I believe the author posted their email address a couple times and that email address was anime girl at something. Right, and that was a lot of her email addresses back in the day. It so was like it was part of their, their identity this, yeah. as a girl who a liked, girl who liked anime. Yeah. yeah, and that was a thing because coming into this community that like we were all aware had been so insular and reserved for like these male nerds, like girls kind of developed their own community in that. And they like things like Digimon because Digimon does focus on character relationships. And they like things like creating fan fiction and fan art that um, focused on the characters having romantic relationships or even just friendships with one another. And like really focused on the personal side of things. And the same way they focused on the personal side of like what fan fiction writing was. Hey, I put this out here. What do you think? Rather than read this, you fucking fuck. Read this and tell me I'm cool. 
Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They know that cockiness, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. Maybe they don't. This author, you know, doesn't understand that, like, presenting that insecurity kind of read in a certain way or that we all feel that insecurity. I feel mm-hmm. like the author may not understand that at, or didn't at that time. But it was an interesting way of reaching out to the fan base. I think you're right that there's a lot of importance of fanfiction.net as building that kind of community in that specific community. And one of the other fanfiction.net kind of traits that I think of is a centrality of shipping. Not yes, necessarily yes. that every fic is oriented around it, but that authors are kind of like, these are my ships. Yes. And yes. it's not like that was unheard of outside of fanfiction.net and the fanfiction culture. Like, we get the, the phrase shipping from Kirk's mm-hmm. Fox shippers back in sure, Star Trek yes. original series. And, like, we might read some um, Sailor Moon fanfics by this one guy who was, like, kind of known for doing Usagi, sorry, Serena Ray. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But I feel like it took a more central role in the fanfiction.net community. Yeah. And this yeah. fanfic is primarily, uh, it's Mimi Joe. Like, it is. She kind of gets off is, into another... She does a lot of Yole... What's her name? Yoli. Yo, Yoli. Yoli Izzy kind Miyako. of later. Yeah. Miyako. Miyako Which, are, those are both really common ships in the Digimon fan community. Even from my three volumes of the adventure manga, I see Mimi Joe. Yeah, I, absolutely. I have it's, no idea who that other character is. one of the most is. common things. Right. Like, well, yeah, in Zero Two, there's um, Miyako comes in, or uh, Yoli, as she's called in this, because they use the names from the dub, Yoli comes in. Yeah. And, and this fan which actually made me realize that she's only a year younger than um, Koshiro or Izzy in the dub. So that actually is... That's right, uh, Izzy yeah. was the young one. He yeah, was, he was. He and Mimi were both... No, Mimi's right. one of the older ones, right? No, no, no Mimi's no. one of the younger ones. Oh, Mimi's one of the younger well, ones. I'm confused. Yeah, okay. Takaru and Kari are... TK and Kari <laughs> this is gonna happen are a lot. We're gonna the youngest ones. Oh, sorry. No, just careful of the table. Oh. For noise. Reasons. Oh, right. Mato's pointing out that I was kind of hitting the table. <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing it. We, we just get so, so upset. We're talking about so Digimon. No. Digimon dub names. TK and Kari were the... Yeah, I really did. TK and Kari were like the youngest ones. They were the younger siblings. Um, but... Mimi and Izzy were actually a year younger than the rest of the team. And Joe was actually a year older. Yeah. yeah. So there's three of them that were, uh, I want to say, fifth graders. There was Taiman and Sora were fifth graders. Joe was like 12, I think. Yeah, Joe was a sixth grader. Yeah. Taiman and Sora were fifth graders. And then you have Mimi and Izzy, fourth graders. And then second graders are... TK and Kari, or are they third graders? Um, three years later, they're the same age as everybody else was mm-hmm. in the original, so they're about seven or so, I think. Okay. That's how that works yes. out. So they would have been like second graders, and then they, yeah. Yeah. Age up to fifth. So in the in the Japanese sub, it was more apparent that Joe was pulling a senpai position. Mm-hmm. It was his yes, job to take yes. care of all the kohai, all the. Yeah, I, and the author draws on that. Yeah. I'm told that the English dub was more comedic than. The original Japanese. Yes, they threw a lot of really silly puns and jokes into it, which actually I thought were really funny when I was a kid. <laughs> I, and I, I still I, <laughs> I still kind of find funny. But the original, it, it draws in the source material. Like, it really, the dub is, there's more humor, but it draws on the type of humor that was present. The, the, the 90s dub was more rude, crude 90s uh, put-down humor than it was in the original Japanese. I don't know. I don't know if I... Do you think that? Like... <laughs> I do think that, yeah. Okay. You might they, be They right. talk about how somebody's being stupid and, like... Oh, uh, I don't really recall that. that. It's been a while since I've seen the dub. I do remember 
the part where they talk about um, Matt's talking about the meat in the fridge that's covered with green fuzz, and he says it like that. And that was hilarious <laughs> growing up. It's pretty funny right now. Mm-hmm. And the so, meat in the back of the fridge covered in green fuzz. <laughs> so as we go into the fanfic, I just like to say I don't want to attack the author, and I'd like to throw it out there that I am in no way, shape, or form the audience for this fanfic. Like, yeah, that's true. And so. You know, I'm going to be complaining about it, but... Now, I am the audience for this fanfic, and yet I also have complaints. Yeah, well, why don't we start in with what actually happens? And I've got to say, I was pretty happy checking out chapter one, because it immediately put into prominence the only character that I was emotionally attached to from reading the manga, which was Mimi's hat. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say Joe, because you kind of look like Joe. I do look like Joe a little bit. No, Mimi's hat. I, I was, I was drawn to it immediately. I was watching um, O2 a little bit earlier, and I was thinking, Joe had some Amato hair going on. I know. Yeah. Doesn't Joe and Amato like, look like the same Yeah, so me? if you're wondering what Amato looks like, just, you know. Yeah, picture Joe with a beard. Season 2 Joe. Season 2 Joe with a beard. <laughs> yeah. In the fanfic. It if you're wondering what I look like, picture Gomamon. <laughs> baseball cap. Not that it's accurate, just picture that. If you're wondering what I look like, no, it's accurate. Don't, don't do that. I don't like it. Don't. Don't. So the fifth thing. <laughs> so that thing. Chapter one. Mimi's mom is dragging her to a charity sale at a community center, donating her old clothes, including the hat. Uh, I, we should talk about a continuity before oh, yeah, yeah. we jump You're in. right. So it's set how many years and whatever. It's uh, a couple so, years after O2. Look, Mimi's like 17. So Mimi so is um, 13 in O2. Mm-hmm. And the author states that Mimi is 18. Yes, but they say also that she skipped a grade and that the other characters are seniors, so actually her age doesn't seem correct. But, yeah, they specifically state 18 several points throughout the fic. They do, they do. But they say, yeah, she skipped a grade, which makes her a senior now, just like Sora and Matt and Ty, which Which theoretically she would be 16 or 17. Well, and and it would also make um, Daisuke and um, Davis and TK about 16, Mm-hmm. But they mentioned that they're just entering high school. Which make them up. And that Joe is so, supposed to be uh, pre-med, even though no, Joe... No, they would be 15. Jo- Sorry. Japanese high school. Yeah. Um, and, and they say that Joe is pre-med, and at this point, Joe would be 20. Well, he'd be... He's in his first year of college, and they're seniors. So I think they got the ages kind of wrong for the grades that they're in. But they got the grades right, as far as I can tell, right? So, right. It's set five years after series two, more or less. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the idea. And Mimi's been in America. Um, I don't know if that's yes, a thing. In that is. Zero two. It okay. is. In Zero Two, she is in America for almost the entire series. She comes back once or twice. But... It has a few episodes, yeah. Yeah, but and then, she lives in America. Then, then at the end, you see her standing with the American Digi doesn't. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, she, she moved to America, and that was a pretty much permanent thing. Yeah. Okay. So she's been back in Japan for a few months, like they've moved back. They were living in New York, I guess. And she hasn't reconnected with any of the other Digidestined. And so when, when her mom dragged her to this community center to donate her old clothes that, you know, fit her when she was however young age. Ten. Ten. Um, you know, she picks up her hat and she's like, oh man, I haven't been in touch with anybody. Like, it's been like seven years and I basically haven't seen anybody for five years, whatever. It's been a while. Um, coincidentally, of course, all of the other Digidestined are at the same event. Not, not everybody. It's like but a like, rummage sale, right? It, yeah. What is this event? I okay. was not clear. <laughs> I went through and looked for clues, 
It is a charity sale mm -hmm. at a community center mm -hmm. to raise funds for a hospital. Mm -hmm. oh, Joe is an organizer. Uh, like a co-organizer with someone because who we don't see. Because pre he's pre-med and somehow, I guess he's and just really active in community service. In charge of setting up this fundraiser. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the only thing that doesn't fit is that this event is frequently described as being very crowded. And, um, yeah. I don't know. Road sale at a community center, I, I guess. Maybe I they don't have know. a Maybe good scene going. Maybe it's like the library sale. Like uh -huh. We still have a library sale back in Gainesville. I don't know if y'all have it here in Portland, but... Where, like, everybody lines up outside the door to get, like, all of the library books that they're giving away, and it's in a big warehouse. Maybe it's, like, one of these big things where, like, everyone has, like, it's a popular event. Like, I don't know. There's a huge People demand for sweet 10-year-old hats. I, I, I sure. Think, I think you're describing Powell's, though. <laughs> uh, there's a, the library does a sale of the books they don't want anymore, and they're really cheap. So maybe this is, like, that sort of event. I don't know. So Joe is also co-organizing it, and... Um, Ty, Sora, TK, and Nat are there. They went there the last year, too, when Joe was also involved. Apparently, it's like a mini tradition now. Mm -hmm. They're basically just there to hang out. They're not selling anything. They're not buying anything. They're just kind of, like, there. Mm -hmm. um, and... Oh, and Izzy also. Mm, yes. um, they, it seems like they haven't seen Izzy in a long time. When they see him, they're like, oh, you've really grown. I don't I Yeah, don't that was get kind it. of strange. Because that doesn't seem to be the case at all. They're all... The same school, yeah. so... I guess maybe it just struck them that Izzy has really grown at that moment when he was like... Well, because Izzy was always depicted as the shorter one. Yes, yeah, he was always short. But, but they it, probably yeah, see him, like, they, every day. Yeah, they do see him every day, theoretically. Or they go to the many same days, school. right. And they all continue to hang out, is what it's implied. Like, except Mimi, who's been in America, so... And this is a good point to talk about what most of this fanfic is, which is people talking. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of people talking. Mm hmm it's yeah. really yeah. flat. It like, is. And I don't even know what the conflict is. I'm not going to lie. The conflict? <laughs> there's a conflict by the end. Yeah, there's a conflict at the end, at of, the the story. end of the story. The climax is the conflict. Like, the only tension is Joe and Mimi, will they or won't they get together? And there's not even that much tension there. No, because they're clearly both into each other and it's just no one really wants yeah, to put themselves out there to like explicitly state it. Right. And that's ridiculous because you just kind of know how that's going to work out. There's right. no, there's nothing pulling them apart. There's no weird miscommunication that like separates them. It's just them and their feelings. They like almost it's, kiss like three times. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a bathtub story. This is something in one of my creative writing classes my professors told me. It's like, you can't have a character in a bathroom, like in a bathtub reminiscing about their life. Like that's not a story. Something mm -hmm. needs to happen. And they were, she would call it a bathtub story. That's, those reads like to me. Yeah. Things, yeah. Things do eventually happen a little, and we'll get to it, but there's just a whole lot of dialogue we're going to skim over because the author was really interested in writing these characters, interacting with each other, and kind of bouncing off each other. Yeah. And, you know, that's not very interesting to me because I'm not familiar enough with the characters either to appreciate the characterization or to complain about the characterization. Oh, I am. <laughs> and I'm going to complain. All right, well, jump in whenever you have something specifically to say. There you go. Oh, I will. So everybody's at this event. In chapter two, Joe, who again is one of the organizers, um, notices Mimi's hat and picks it up. And I, I note this because it's the second and last appearance of Mimi's hat in this fanfic. The, the one character you care about. Yes, yes. exactly. And, and so then... I'm going to read the quote that highlights the hat. Mm -hmm. Joe, <laughs> Joe picked up the hat and adjusted his glasses. Fancy seeing you here, he muttered under his breath. Just where's your owner nowadays? And then, you know, 
Goodbye, Hat. It's <laughs> pretty much out of the story. I love you, Hat. You're I, beautiful and a good hat. I like that hat. No one could know of a love hat. <laughs> anyway, Mimi sees him, makes fun of him for talking to her hat, and then, you know, they reconnect a little bit. It's like, oh, hey, haven't seen each other for a long time. Joe leads her over to the other Digidestined, and they all meet back up. Mimi's eager to reunite. Um, that's pretty much it. Mimi was in New York. It comes up in conversation that she's the one who pushed her parents to move back to Japan. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when people ask, why do you do that? I thought you were like really settled in New York. She's just like, it's a secret. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dark secret. Yes. <laughs> it's about my past and no one can know. Mm-hmm. There's like two chapters of everyone hanging out in a tea shop, which is clearly where the cool kids spend their time in drinking Japan. Drinking sodas, drinking uh, tea. Yes, drinking sodas. At a tea shop. Well, sure. This is not? what they're doing. What is a tea shop in Japan? Isn't that just a cafe? I think so. I've never stepped foot in anywhere that can be described as a tea shop in Japan. They, well, I don't they know. also pay in U.S. dollars at the convenience store. I was going so we'll we'll to wait later we'll to... We'll get... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, at the end of that scene, uh, Joe agrees to take Mimi to karaoke because she wants someone to, and they're dragging along Izzy and Matt. Also, they said there were no karaoke rooms in New York. I don't know. This was 2000, so maybe there weren't. Maybe But there true. are now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a few things of Mimi kind of talking about how things are in America. Yeah. It's like, I saw people kissing in public. Which Shocking. is strange because I don't think people don't kiss in public in Japan. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I've seen many people kiss in public in America, though. Like, Oh, they do. Do they? Are you kidding? Are you not? Open your eyes, Amato. The world <laughs> is around you. As a better single person, I can confirm this does happen. It Got does. It. Yes. Sometimes I hear people's kissing noises. One time I remember stepping in a restaurant, <laughs> hearing someone kissing like down the block and being just like, appalled because I have like weird sound triggers it's not that the kissing is like necessarily well it's kind of it's just hearing that gross misophonia the, the yes, mouth yes. noises does it for a lot of people yeah, yeah like the eating noise bothers me too and I just I couldn't handle it I had to walk away but it yeah it happens all right so they go to karaoke by the way there's a lot of like band name references of Japanese like groups and stuff that I didn't retain. This no, author is definitely either. into J-pop. Yes, yeah. a lot of like pop artists come up that I've never heard of. So. Yeah, I just have no clue. So it, it's meaningless to me and I wasn't going to do the research. But they do karaoke. Matt and Izzy are like, are Joe and Mimi flirting heavily? And the answer is yes, yes. but neither of them are like really willing to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, like at, at one point in this karaoke day, Joe puts his arm around Mimi in the middle of things. He's like, what am I doing? My arm my is arm moving is by itself. And then it becomes a horror movie. <laughs> and, and like she like leans on him at some point I, I will give the author credit for demonstrating what teenage emotions around romance are like because they have no idea what they're doing that's so insecure they're like I have these feelings I, I don't know what they are and I'm afraid of them like they really the author yeah. captured that for, for real sure it's just not a time that most of us enjoy revisiting and also no, it's not <laughs> it was unpleasant for me personally but I suppose they are still about teenage. They're supposed to be like 18 and 20. Yes. Uh, well, it's unclear. Like, theoretically, if Mimi did, they say she's 18, but if she did skip a grade to be in her senior year, she could be 16 or well, 17. They mentioned the age 18 a lot, yeah. specifically. Yeah, she's so 18. she's 18. And Joe is definitely 19 or 20, but I, yes, I definitely he's buy. He's two years older than she is, so he has to be. But, but I buy that he does not do a lot of dating. Exactly. No, he. I would buy he, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I buy um, that for the for the dollars they he's they, allergic they spend on everything else in this book. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So chapter six, the first half of it is a soccer game with TK, Ty, Sora, and Kari, and it doesn't matter. 
There's this whole, <laughs> there's this whole subplot between, what is it, Ty and Sora going out. Mm-hmm. And, like, Sora's yeah, working yeah. really hard to, like, uh, for college entrance exams or applications or whatever. Because Ty's going to have a soccer scholarship, but, like, she needs to work to go to the same school. Yeah. And the tension is that, like, Ty's being a jerk about it. It's never yeah. resolved. Which I would say is actually characteristic of what I think their relationship would be. Like, Ty is really oblivious. Mm-hmm. So Ty's like, why are you What's... studying so much? And she's like, to go to the same college as you. To go to the college I want to go to. Well, and he obviously cares about her, and the other characters identify that. But she's still frustrated. Well, like, Tori, do you remember if there was any uh, romantic relationship between Ty and Sora? In um, the movie, the... What was it? The second movie, I want to say... Um, which they combined in the Digimon movie in the U.S., mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was something where Ty, you know, accidentally sent something to Sora that had, like, a heart on it, and it we, it was a thing he kind of blew up on, and they had a fight, and it seemed like kind of like a romantic thing. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were romantically involved, but, like, he was nervous, but she would respond, and that was a big subplot of that movie. So I think there is some implication that they could have a romantic relationship, and they have a lot in common. So that's why they're shipped a lot. But uh, I think in Zero Two, Sora actually has a thing with Matt. Matt, right, yes. yeah. Mm. Um, and Ty isn't super concerned about that. Like, I think in Zero One, people think, in original Digimon Adventure, people think that Ty and Sora fit well together. But they are kids in that, so. I, I thought Sora was good, good on their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. But, well, whatever. does Sora keep a cool hat? That's... Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So, Sora's hat was Sora's actually a plot point awesome. in a few different episodes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I always thought it was like a knitted hat, but then at one point they bang on it like a drum, which implies exactly. it's like a helmet. Yeah. What? Uh, at one point, yes. though. Yes. Okay. It's clearly a knitted so, hat. There's this one episode uh, in the first season where they're in a graveyard, mm-hmm. and there's go- like a ghost Digimon, like a classic bedsheet ghost Digimon. Is it named Ghostmon? Uh, it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, how, how do we get Bakumon? Bakuman, oh, yeah. okay. So they're like, and how do we get get rid of it? It's like let's do um let's do a chant, a Buddhist chant to get rid of it. So they take off her hat, and that's the first time you fi- find out that it is like a hard plastic hat, awesome. or like metal, <laughs> or metal. And they take a like a piece of wood and they knock on it like a like a Buddhist bowl or something, and they do a chant. Okay. Yeah. So she wears a helmet. I'm in into the it. First series. So yeah. by the way, they had a weird time trying to uh, justify that in English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really did. I don't remember what that was, but it was almost as bad as when they took out the gun that uh, Puppet Mon shoots, and when he reaches for it, he <laughs> says, "I'm I'm scratching my leg because I have poison ivy." He's a Digimon entirely made of wood or poison mm-hmm. oak. He's like, "Darn this leg, it's made of poison oak." But they literally edited out the gun that he was reaching for, which, by the way, was like a toy gun. But anyway, they like, edited like, it like out. Like a court gun, like a pop gun. Yeah, like a pop gun. Yeah. Um, but they had to edit out all guns so, in the English version. So it was so. a Yu-Gi-Oh! classic invisible guns. Exactly. Yeah. Or a Sailor Moon, let's take out the entire episode because a fake gun appears at one point. Hmm. So Sora has an excellent hat. Yes. Yeah, that was the main point. And uh, now is the point where I want to complain about a different thing that I haven't complained about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for one thing, the end of Chapter 5 was the karaoke date. And the second half of chapter six is them leaving the karaoke date, but the first half of chapter six was the soccer game, which was not taking place at night, but I think karaoke went... Oh, maybe they were just doing karaoke, like, all day. Anyway, the problem is, this fanfic has absolutely no indication of scene transitions whatsoever. Exactly. And it's very strange and very difficult to read. Definitely, yeah. Like, they don't even mention 
because it's quoted text and quoted text, and you don't you don't realize there's different people talking. Between yes, different yes. It, like it'll be someone talking in one location, and then the next dialogue piece immediately pops up, and you think it's the person they're speaking with, and instead it's switching to an entirely different scene with entirely different people. So that did definitely throw me. So it's like something that might work in a visual medium, I suppose. Yeah, like maybe playwriting if you specified who was speaking. Right. It, it kind of like felt like the author was rushing through it, like really wanted to get their ideas into it and didn't, you know, pay attention as much to that. Yeah, but you need to have a space in between those two, oh, like a sure. blank line, you know, or, or something. Anything. Anything. Again, yes. this, this author was a teenager, so I'm willing to like forgive a few errors here. A few formatting yes, errors. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it doesn't read very well. It, the formatting is off. This was not one of those fanfics that thanked a list of five pre-readers for their <laughs> editing and suggestions. But they also no. had a bunch of like Good awkward point. phrases in there, like Mimi turned to him and they got eye contact. Yeah, that well, was they, yeah there's two. also a bunch of you know. I also oh, I noticed one of those, but I forgot to write it down. <laughs> Something's really strange in this too, and like I don't want to pick on it too much because I wonder if maybe the author is dyslexic. But instead of having like normal typos, they will literally interpose letters of words. Like one time, it was supposed to say close, and it said L C O S E. So there were a couple of points where I was like, maybe this author, like, I don't, it just, it seemed like, I don't want to apply anything, but like, you know, it seemed like more like dyslexia than it did like anything. Like, that's not a common sure. typo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm, I'm more than willing to overlook that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, of course. That's fine. I don't, I don't mind that at yeah. all. But I, yeah, there were several instances of where I was like, they, they could have had a proofreader, and I don't think that they did. That I was my do point. remember my example now. Even though I didn't write it down, it's just stuck in my head. <laughs> it is the sentence, Joe smirked a laugh. <laughs> I think I just smirked a laugh. <laughs> That's what that sounded like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're sorry, Tachikawa Mimi. Like, as usual, I'm sure they would be mortified that someone is doing a podcast episode about this Digimon fanfic they wrote like as a 17-year-old. And this person is in their mid-30s now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Tachikawa Mimi, whoever you are, wherever you are. I dearly love you for putting this part of yourself into the universe, and yeah, none respect. of this criticism is is directed towards you as a human being. And if it makes you feel any better, it's I'm, honestly not that bad. No, it's, I'm, like, I'm feeling like whatever. like a transference embarrassment so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, hard I, for us to remember what it was like to be high schoolers. Yeah, we're we're ha- we're having a hard time reliving our own mistakes. Mm. Yeah. And as someone who wrote MSTings and delved in fanfiction.net for specifically bad things instead of things that I was had some reason to think were good, I've read a lot worse. Mm. I've read much uh, worse than this. Actually, aside from some, I don't know, issues with characterization and some typos, which literally happens to everybody, so whatever, this, you know, it's, it's decently put together and there was obviously a lot in the author's brain that she like really went out on a limb to explore here and I felt like a lot of it was personal and mm-hmm. I felt like it was very vulnerable and I felt like I would give props for that like it really was like a very personal vulnerable thing and this they played out like relationships kind of play out I mean definitely it, I really wish I kind of explored the sort of space when I was their age mm-hmm. I feel like I would have progressed a lot more as a person if I yeah. had yeah, it's yeah certainly... I don't know if you really want that <laughs> It certainly is relevant that the author aged Mimi up to approximately their own age. Yes, yes. Um, um, that's right. I agree. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I definitely think the author really loved to Mimi, especially in their first, the first thing they said is, I don't own Digimon, but I own a collection of 80 perfumes. And I thought, <laughs> hmm, yes, I can see why you relate to Mimi. By the way, this brought back one of my favorite um, 
fan fiction uh, conventions, mm-hmm. which is when you read a lot of fan fiction, they, they start everything with I don't own blank. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them took the took that opportunity to put different running gags in there, which is something yeah. I really appreciated. This yeah, author this did a different funny. one for every chapter. Every chapter. Yeah. yeah. Those were actually really funny. I liked when they said I I do own Digimon. I own all of the UFO toys. I have Gomamon <laughs> and Patamon and Palmon, and I thought that was really funny. And there's like, I don't own Digimon, but if you read this far, I own a little bit of you. <laughs> yeah. Those are really funny. I think this author is actually really talented. I think, you know, they were just a teenager caught up in a lot of angst at the time. It made me a little bit those. interested in what their um, original work was like. Mm. Sure, yeah. I'm not sure interested enough to actually go check it out, but... <laughs> I feel like they would have been, like, a fairly good, like, t- a young adult writer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, this is definitely young adult media. Yeah, definitely. And maybe that's why it was, like, 30-year-olds were kind of, like... Eh, well, it was like, thing, it's, like, but... romance novel light sort of stuff. Yes, it's definitely yeah. not... Yeah, there's... I appreciate that there wasn't sex in it, by the way, because mm-hmm. I'm still uncomfortable with the idea of these kids being aged up just to have sexual relationships. And I really appreciate the author didn't do sex in this. I thought that was smart. Mm-hmm. They did that tension that teenagers experience around love and romance. I'm fine with that. They didn't do sex. And I think I really honestly respect the author for that. Mm-hmm. So in the second half of chapter six, Mimi and Joe leave karaoke together. It's nighttime now. She's angling for him to flirt with her. They like swing by Yole's convenience store and buy ice cream. And there's a oh, that was the only sex joke. I think there was one more, but yeah, there was a contraceptive yeah, okay. joke in there. She, they um, like we need supplies, and she points them towards the condoms, <laughs> which I think is kind of you know, as an adult, you're like whatever, but as the, <laughs> as kids, you're inexperienced. Mortifying. Like, I can't believe this happened, and Joe almost passes out. You know, yeah, being the sort of person he is. Well, Joe does pass out later because after they buy ice cream, they go to the soccer game. Um, and Joe gets hit in the face by a soccer ball at the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which happens to Joe a lot. He's accident prone, as it's shown in the anime. Well, it's one of those comedy things where you want to hit the most uptight person in the face with yes. a soccer ball. Yes. Right? Because he doesn't know how to handle it. Right. You know. And it was also an extension of um, Daisuke or Davis being the most annoying character possible. Oh, God. And you know what? He is so annoying, and the author like made him more annoying. If I that's think, even possible. I think he's more annoying in the first half of O2. Last yes. half, back half of O2, he's actually he gets a upright stand-up character. He gets like, okay. Well, like I just watched the last episode of Zero Two today, and in it, there's this part where they all get mind-controlled to see their mm-hmm. favorite scene, and it just doesn't work on 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 Daisuke because like he's already happy. <laughs> yeah, which is insane to me. I can't imagine someone being like, like already like, happy like that. But all right, and, and he's happy enough to pull everybody else out of, out of their delusion. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the same thing that works for a lot of anime protagonists. It kind of worked for Ty as well. Like, he's just kind of oblivious, and he lives in his own little world, and that makes him happy. But this and is, it's endearing, too, because he's optimistic, but and he's loving. In this fact, it's just, in, in this ficky, it's just the first <sighs> half of... Yes, <laughs> he's so annoying. Which is exactly how annoying I felt he was when I watched Definitely. O2 as a kid. Like, it was just, oh my god. Definitely, yeah. And just all... Hikari obsessed. Yeah, and you know, I actually found that really frustrating to watch as a child because I mean, it wasn't much of a child; I was maybe thirteen. Um, frustrating because knowing about these things, knowing about romance, not knowing that much about it, but feeling like this is ridiculous. Like you need to get a life, and you know what? My opinion hasn't changed. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like I'm more empathetic towards these kids who experience that sort of romantic obsession, but it's still ridiculous. Like what is? What is going on in your brain? Right. Hormones, I guess. <laughs> so, 
Uh, chapter 7, Joe got him to face the soccer ball. Mimi goes home with him and, you know, tends to his wounds because he's a pre-med student and can't handle that. I mean, he complains about that. He's like, look, I'm I'm a pre-med student. I can handle this. But Meanwhile, he, like, shuts her finger in the door, too. Oh, yeah, yeah that yeah. happened. I'm not sure why that was necessary. I don't know. So they can be injured together. <laughs> she stays with him all night. They stay up late but eventually sleep. They sort of semi-cuddle on the couch. Nobody's really willing to come out and admit their attraction directly. They, they, they like, cuddle Just and like talk. Teens. That's yeah, right. thing yeah. you do in an awkward be- part of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. even as adults, we sometimes experience that. that. Like, no one wants <laughs> to make the first move. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character development here is that Mimi asks Joe why he decided to commit to becoming a doctor, because last she knew he wasn't, like, sure. And he doesn't, doesn't really have an answer for her then. And... He asks her why she wanted to move back to Japan, and she says it's because she wanted to marry a Japanese man. You're 18, Mimi. You don't have to worry about that quite yet. Well, but to be fair, a lot of people do worry about it at that age, and I think it's not... It might be social pressure, but a lot of it is just being naive. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you've hit a certain age, and I've seen this with girls being like, I'm going to get married soon, even though I'm mm-hmm. 18, 19, well, 20. It's like, I'm going to get married by a certain date. I'm going to have yes. a kid, my first kid by this date, second kid by this date. And it's important for us to recognize, like, we kind of come from a background where, like, getting married and having kids is something that comes a little later in life. But, like, really, you, like, for, for, like, these cis women and heterosexual relationships, having kids is something that has to happen by your, like, time you're, like, 31, 32. Oh, way, way before then. Yeah. Like, ideally, yes, but, like, you know, biologically, it's harder and harder to have kids. And we really, we come from, you know, all three of us kind of come from backgrounds of, like, more education and such. We don't really see how, like, this impacts young people more. And, you know, maybe not all of us do, but, like, for me personally, like, people in lower socioeconomic backgrounds like Mm -hmm. marriage and children becomes a huge priority especially for cis women cis heterosexual women at a young age because like what else are you gonna do especially if you don't go to college yeah and so i kind of understand where she's coming from like it's coming from a place of naivety and also social pressure do you know the japanese christmas cake expression thing no uh that being a woman's like being a christmas cake that no one wants it after the 25th Oh my oh. god, 25. Yep. And right. she is still socially Japanese, so like, I mean, 25. That's how she was growing up 25. Seems so young to me. Well, it's. Like, I'm 29, I still get carded. It like, is a, like, you I'm know, cruel expression, you know, joke thing. <laughs> so so please love me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not over the hill. Yeah, no, I, I do want to. I'm not saying that's that, like though. a rule, just that that's no, like a. I believe a, it. A joke saying expression, expression that yeah. is, yeah, very commodifying and unfortunate, and that's the culture she's I coming from. I believe it. Yes, and if that's where she's coming from, it makes sense. She's like, I need to get married. That's my priority. And it's a Lock combination. That down and worry of about that, other stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of that socialization and the naivety that comes with being actually 18 that you think your life is going to work out in this way, in this manner. Like, yeah, I don't know, it's sort of like going to college for me. Like, I was an English major, and I thought, <laughs> hey, this will be great. I'll just major in English because it's what I like. Mm-hmm. I'm smart. You know, once I get out of here, the job market will be great. The housing bubble burst in 2008 <laughs> when I was a sophomore in college. Listeners. Um... That happened. Nothing worked out like I planned. And, yeah, I think that there is that naivety at 18 is my main point. Yeah, well, um, personally, growing up uh, Mormon in that community, 
there's a the expectation for like uh, Mormon men to turn 18, go for like one year of college, and then go on your mission for two years, yes. come back, get married, have kids. Yes, yes. Within a few years. So by so you're looking forward to that the whole time. So it's yeah. definitely like a Christmas cake scenario. By 25, yeah. you should be celebrating. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's a huge, yeah, there's so many communities and people that believe in that. So it does not surprise me that that is what she's thinking at this time. However, it doesn't go deeply into her mindset about that. Like, it never really explores from her perspective that angle, does it? No, but I do think there might be an implication that in some way, because she is thinking about marriage now, that she's come of age, mm-hmm. so to speak, Yeah. that maybe Joe is the person that she did have a crush on, and she's thinking, well, I have to get married soon. Yeah. And maybe saying, I want to marry a Japanese man was code for saying, I want to marry you, Joe. I think, I think that's, that's how we're supposed to take it. I, I think that's heavily implied, yes. yes. Uh, so chapter 8, there's a little flashback with Joe deciding to become a doctor when he saw his brother Jim, his older brother Jim, and his dad fail to save someone else's life who came in with a motorcycle injury, which is an interesting... Yeah, that like, was intense. It was kind of intense, and I, I thought it was kind of cool because you would ordinarily, stereotypically imagine the, like, a doctor saved my life, or I saw a doctor save someone else's life, and in fact Joe's like... I was there, too, and I couldn't help at all, and I this guy died. <laughs> like, no, it was strange to me, too, the transition in this, and not to pick on this author again, but I did not realize this was a memory until he's suddenly washing dishes. That was a little <laughs> yeah. bizarre. The other thing I want to say is I find it funny that um, I just remembered that Jim, as a character, was actually two twin brothers in the original. What? What? Yes. Do you remember this? No, no, no. I was just... They combine the character into one person. They're literally <laughs> twin brothers that are older brothers of Joe's. I hope I'm remembering this right. If I'm remembering this wrong, then I'm fucking crazy. I mean, I'm already crazy. <laughs> so maybe this is just my insanity, like, poking its head out. But I swear to God that in the original Japanese, Jim is two people. They're twins. <laughs> to but, the wiki, that's good. Yeah, maybe we should look this up, because that's what I remember. That's yeah, y'all, y'all keep talking. I already have the webpage. Uh, all okay. right. You look that up. So they're still at Joe's house. There's a lot of banter, as usual. They kind of agree they'll go out again. Mm-hmm. Jim's come back. Jim comes back and embarrasses them. And this is the second round of, like, yeah. sexual total mortification yeah. for Mimi and Joe. And it was interesting because I didn't realize Joe's shirt was open until he realizes it himself. There's a whole little chain Jim of events there that leads uh, to his shirt being open at the okay, time. Okay, maybe I didn't pick up on that, but... Yeah, he's mortified, and he runs into the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and he bangs his head into the porcelain of the tub, because he's just that mortified, which, poor baby. I I can imagine it, yeah. Yeah. You can get pretty embarrassed when you're, like, I mean, I'm just saying that that's (laughs) not normal, but I understand, because I'm also mentally ill. Anyway, moving on. Oh, oh my God. Um, Shukido is Joe Kido's older brother. In the English version, he and Shin Kido were merged into a single character yes. named Jim Kido. Yes! Thank you. Oh my god. I feel so validated. <laughs> Why also, would you do that, though? I love that Dom already has the Digimon wiki pulled up on their phone. Like, uh, I was, I was, like it's just a default. I was researching that their ages earlier to uh-huh. specify exactly what sure. this took uh-huh. place. <laughs> Whatever. That is the second weirdest dub thing that I can think of now. After, After... I feel like some European country in Sailor Moon Stars made the Starlights the twin sisters of the Three Lights that are, like, summoned when they transform. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It, oh, it, it very much does if you want to avoid anyone switching biological sex. 
Mm. Oh, so how do they avoid the part where everybody thinks that they're men all the time? Uh, because those ones are men. The three Wait, lights what? are men. <laughs> oh, the three lights and the... Oh, they okay. oh, I get it. I get it. They made the Starlight's twin sisters. Yes. Oh, so they're they're not even the same people. Oh. That's what I remember. That's... I, I believe you because, like, that seems viable. That's and the kind of thing I'm that would be done. Just, like, as a trans person... <laughs> I can't even begin to describe my feelings. <laughs> what the fuck? You'd rather go out of your way. To invent Never a whole mind. new character. Out of, yeah. You know, it doesn't surprise me, though, because Deke originally made... Um, <laughs> they originally made Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune cousins, mm-hmm. but... That was the... not technically Deke, that was Cloverweight, but Deke oh, okay. did make Zoicite male. Sorry. Made Zoicite female? Female. Yeah. Uh, Made Zoicite female, right. Which, like, when we read the Sailor Moon fan fiction, I was like, (laughs) Zoicite was a girl. I was like, oh, God, I forgot about that. (laughs) Anyway, it's especially awkward when Neptune and Uranus are cousins because they still have intimate moments that they didn't really edit out. Oh, yeah, it's just... They just made them kissing cousins. That's right. (laughs) Which is just... Wow. Good I, job. I mean, my, my cousin Clover, and I have, uh, have rubbed beards sometimes, but I don't think that's the same thing. Have you sensitively yeah. held each other's hands and talked about, like, your very serious topics? Yeah. I, I, I'd, like, I'd like you to move on to a different question. <laughs> but so, it's, it's not too unusual with this dub because they have done odd things with siblings before. Mm-hmm. In the uh, original Japanese, um, Yamato and Takeshi are uh, Matt and TK. Takeru. Takeru? Takeru. Yeah. Um, their parents were divorced, and one parent took one, and the other yeah. parent t- took the other. In the English dub, they made them half si- siblings. Which doesn't even that doesn't work. really even change it the situation. It doesn't change the situation <laughs> at all, because they still... Yeah, the weirdest part about it is because they're half siblings, that means that the, the, the they still say the parents are related and divorced, right? I'm not exactly I'm sure. I'm pretty sure they do. So it doesn't change anything What's the point? whatsoever. I guess maybe they thought that was a simpler explanation for kids than the siblings being separated during a divorce, because that is a relatively unusual. So they just made them cousins. Make them all cousins. Yeah, everybody's call a, it a cousin. <laughs> They're cousins. Even if they make out, their cousins. All, all, all the Digimons are cousins, too. <laughs> I believe it. Well, aren't they more like siblings? They're like all born in the same place, like... They're from the, digital yeah. world. They're like no, they're all born in a nursery together. They're all like produced um, asexually. They're just yeah. spontaneously produced by the well, world itself. Right. When a Digimon dies, they're reborn in an egg. Okay. So they really are just like continuous beings. Plus, their original creation was from data and programming from huga- right. human programmers. Okay. So technically, their parents are human. Right. So yeah, they don't reproduce. That's all. All right. Let's try to bring this home. Uh. After she leaves Joe's house, Mimi hangs out with the other girls, and Yoli uh-huh. is kind of pushing her to confess to Joe. Oh, also in chapter seven, they have the phrase "Joe rubbed the back of his forehead" in there. <laughs> the back of his forehead? I just wanted to mention that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Joe's going through a lot of things. <laughs> Joe's going through a lot of biological changes. <laughs> uh, Mimi hangs out with the other girls, and. At the beginning of chapter nine, Joe hangs out with the other boys, and they're like, clearly Mimi is into you. And he's like, I don't know. But Mimi calls, sets up a movie date. Like, Yoli's going to come along to the new Beat Takeshi movie. That's the Japanese actor that we know in 2000, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Also, I was confused because they said uh, Beat Takashi in oh. the fic over and over again. But it is actually Beat Takeshi. Oh. I didn't notice that, but... I wouldn't. Um, the Japanese title of this fanfic is supposed to be... What is it? Seishun... Seishun wa detane. 
Seishun Detane, which is incorrect. Yeah. But we won't yeah. go into it. That's all right. So but, but, uh, author doesn't speak Japanese. B. Takeshi was the one who did the um, 2003 Zatoichi movie, if anyone's oh, seen that. Oh, okay. No, okay. maybe they're seeing that. He, I he, haven't <laughs> seen it, but I do want to see it. And all right. It is pretty cool. Me. They have some pretty interesting, um, like, percussive music in there. Hmm. Uh, like, out of nowhere, it's pretty cool to see. That's dope. Yeah. All right. I'll check that out. Everything I know about Zatoichi comes from Zatoinu, the blind swords pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> wait, Zato, is it Inu dog? Uh, so wait, what's his name? Zato... Buta? <laughs> wait, what, am I I'm re- sorry because am I, I just remembering you, his name? You literally speak Japanese of Otto and but, I don't. But I but thought I that was his name. For dog it was Zato something. Uh, I like dogs. Yojimbo. No, of course Inu is dog. What What am I I know. I, that's really funny, though, that, <laughs> that just pops into my head. Anyway, that might not be relevant to the subject matter. It right? might not be. But <laughs> what if it is? Anyway, yeah. Sato Ino. Ino, that's what Ino. I'm thinking. Okay. Oh, okay, that's another reading. Anyway, um, I was confused for a second. Good job calling me on that, and I should not be calling people out on their bad Japanese. <laughs> oh, yes, you should. Um, anyway, they go to the movie. Like, Mimi calls Joe, sets up a movie date. Yoli is supposed to be coming. Yoli. Um, she doesn't show up for a while, and at first they suspect she's showing them up, but she shows up, she drags Izzy with her to go to the movie. They walk the movie, but then Yoli and Izzy do duck out after the movie to leave Joe yeah. and Mimi alone together. And a lot together. of uncharacteristic things happen with Izzy. Like, he's super pissed Yeah, he's Yoli. super bitchy. He's yeah. super bitchy. He's never been bitchy. He's always been super nice, but But he's like, how whatever. can you be, like, interfering with those two relationships? Yeah, and it's... he just, like, treats her very callously and, like, tries to, like, toy with her a little bit, like, to make her feel bad, And basically. then he, like, drags her back to her apartment. Yeah, and, like, manipulates her into it. It's very not Izzy, so... Well, if it's any consolation, it doesn't matter in the slightest for the main plot. No, it doesn't. The story. No, no. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Not even but I do think the author was trying to develop some sort of, like, tension, romantic tension between them, and so they just made Izzy into a fucking asshole, so whatever. Well, speaking of romantic tension, all of the rest that happens in Chapter 9 is that Joe and Mimi walk home together and have vaguely romantic escapades. Mm-hmm. But Chapter 10, suddenly there's a conflict. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because Mimi gets... Hello, conflict. <laughs> You're finally here. By the way, this is Chapter 10 out of 10. Out of yes, 12, actually. that's true. Out of I, I don't know about that. Um... There's 12, 12 chapters. Yeah, yeah uh, kind of. So Mimi gets a we'll call get from that. a friend in America who God was in an accident. And so she's like, well, i got to fly back to America for a week to like be with my friend. And when she tells Joe, he's really upset. And like he's clearly upset. And what I like about this conversation is that he acknowledges that there's no logical reason for him to be upset. And he's like, clearly, like, I've got issues about this. And, like, it's on me. Yeah. And, like, I'm, like, I'm upset, but... That's not your problem. I, I I just don't know why. Right. Yeah. And, and you know it's understandable. I thought I thought the way he reacted was awful. Pretty much, but um, and even his confession of I don't know why I'm upset didn't really make up for the fact that he was clearly taking it out on her. Right. Like there are better ways to handle that, but I do like that the author, you know, at a young age, had this basic analysis of like sometimes people have feelings and they don't understand mm-hmm. why and. They try not to take them out on other people, but they end up doing it anyway. Mm. And so I do feel like, you know, there was some accuracy there. I feel like it was also just, like, funny how he acknowledged that his feelings were not related to her, and he still acted kind of callously anyway. It was, like, little things like that that made me, like, 
partially interested in this. I always have this like rise and fall of interest in this mm-hmm. fit where I was like, oh, I'm really into this. I'm not into this. I'm really into this. <laughs> not into this. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, it is strange that it's not just in the moment that he's kind of itchy about it. Everyone else goes to see her off at the airport and he doesn't. But and, but then he shows up immediately afterwards and he's like, oh, I got to make this right. I will fly to America after her. I actually didn't read it that way. I read it as he showed up late because he was running to the airport and then he decided to stop and buy a ticket instead of meeting her at the airport. I could see that also. You know what I mean? Like it was like a surprise twist. Because at the end they're like, hey, Joe, why the fuck weren't you here? Like Mimi's really hurt. And then he's like, well, I didn't want to say goodbye because I have a ticket to America. I thought he got to the airport and stopped to buy a ticket, and that's why he didn't make it to zero. I can see that, yeah. Okay, well, that makes more sense. Um, And I was admittedly skimming it. Okay, well. (laughs) So, the thing is, on the fanfiction.net story, that was chapter 10, and the next thing is end note. But it's not the end of the story. The Mm. author wrote more under a separate title, The Best You Can Do, which was created as a new story because of some fanfiction.net deal about like wanting to see how many you, know, like, you have to specify how many chapters yeah. are beforehand or something. I didn't quite get it. it. Which doesn't seem it. right. And in or, my haste to be done with this, I did not read that. Book. But it's also posted under the same author there. The the next two chapters. Yes. Oh, okay. I found them. I just didn't read them right. because I was like, I've done my duty. I've read. Yeah. I, I read this story. I, I I assume that's all we were supposed to read because Amano, you give out the reading assignment. So. <laughs> I actually did. You're like the teacher of the group. Right. You, uh, you're literally a teacher. I mean, so am I. But anyway, Amato is my teacher, and I'm the teacher of the children. I was like in the same mindset, but it's like you know, fuck it. No one's gonna say I didn't read all of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna get all of it, and then so so I can Interesting. Talk, I did. Talk I must have been a very properly. good student. <laughs> I was a terrible student. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually open the successing story, the successive, the sequel. The next two chapters. The next two yeah. chapters of the story. But when I saw that that still did not actually finish the story, <laughs> oh my, my will to read it ended. So, Dom, yeah, what happened in those last two chapters? Yes. I don't even know. Dom, um, it's all on you. Long now, story buddy. short, nothing much. All right. But, um, end of podcast. Mimi's in New York with her friend. Joe shows up at the same place. Like, got the address from somebody somehow. Okay. Then they go to sleep. They wake up in the morning. Wait, they they met up with each other, and then they go to sleep, right? I, they're all asleep at some point. Like he, wait, he, he I, got there like sorry, late, late at night. Some so point. he met up with Mimi, and then they because like he has no place to stay in New York. Oh, so he stays with Mimi, and they go to sleep. St- stays okay. with, stays with uh, Mimi's friend. I was quite confused for a second. Yeah. I was like, did he? Where did he sleep? Did he sleep on the street? <laughs> they wake up the wake up in the morning. Mimi obsesses about having to put up her makeup now. Because, like, there's somebody else here. And they talk and then say, yeah, um, dress up fancy because we're, we're going to a fancy dinner tonight. Okay. Yeah. Is that it? End of story. <laughs> I, I keep on pausing because I just wanted so, to be over. But, uh, when, when, when did the Digimon show up? <laughs> oh, yeah, chapter 12, the very last one. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> Is that when all the Digimon uh, digivolved together oh. into a giant Katamari Digimon like That's you mentioned exactly before? exactly what happened. They all formed together into a giant horrific Cthulian ball and, like, just absorbed all of humanity and, like, all their spirits were coming or- towards in the end and, like... Um, all their souls were absorbed into one being. <laughs> yeah, that's what Dom told me in the car, and I totally believed them <laughs> for a second. But I guess that's not actually true. So it's not actually true. No, they they, they went to dinner at a, at a Cuban place. Wow. And um, there's that same sort of awkward tension where they get into fights for no reason. 
Yeah. That it happens throughout the entire fic. I'm still envisioning the Katamari, Cthulhu, <laughs> and Digimon monster. I'm sorry. And uh, they get angry, and like he pulls out a box, and he throws it into a stream that's somehow nearby in downtown New York. A stream? A stream. Okay. And of it turns urine? out to be... Like... <laughs> Well, it was cold, so it would have been a lot of urine expelled. Yeah, maybe it was well, this was a plot point in it, earlier fanfic. Urine can get so. very cold. That's so. a good point. We can't discount urine at all anymore. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to draw connections here. <laughs> oh my god, urine is so powerful as far as fanfic. And it turns out it's a, it's a bracelet Joe wants to give Mimi. Um, they br- they um, go their separate ways. She like gets a sandwich at a at a deli. Okay, we don't need to hear all of this. Yeah, you know what? I'm done. But the sandwich was the most important, most interesting part. What was of the on the sandwich? Tell us about the sandwich. It was a Reuben, actually. <laughs> so he, uh, uh, he gets the bracelet. They meet up at a park bench. He gives her the bracelet. They're nice to each other. Um, he goes back to uh, Japan like the next day, and Mimi goes back to Japan. And I, I, yeah. I want to tell you there's something oh. else that happens, but that's pretty much you it. You know what? That does, that does remind me of one thing I wanted to bring up. Why was Joe so upset that Mimi had to leave for one week? Everyone else says that, too. They're like, yeah. what is the problem? Because I don't know if we mentioned this earlier. Mimi had to go back to New York for one week to take care of her friend who'd been in a fucking car accident. Mm-hmm. For, like, maybe a week, maybe longer, but, like, yes, they but, told him a week. And he said he didn't know in himself why he was upset. But I still think... Wow, like that is some sort of like obsessive personality quality that like she has to leave for a week, one week, and maybe a lack of trust. So I, I found that that was maybe what was the most off-putting part of that. It was anyway. hard, It was hard to believe that 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 was a conflict at all. Yes, they weren't they because weren't, she had to leave for one week. <laughs> they weren't even going out. If anything, it'd be no. that impetus to like. To, like, uh, express their I mean, feelings before they leave. I sort of get, like, oh, we're, we're building something here. I don't know how to express my feelings. That makes me frustrated. But one week. Like, one week. So that, I think maybe that was the part that didn't ring true for me about that part. That, that I'm recalling. But anyway. So anything else about the hat or the sandwich before we start to wrap <laughs> this up? Um, if the sandwich was a Reuben, did it have pickles? I, I don't believe it did, no. Oh, that's a bummer. All right. And uh, Amato, how are your feelings towards the hat at this moment? Um, I wonder who's wearing it now because the the Mimi's mom does say like, oh, just imagine you know some ten year old is going to be really happy to like get these old clothes of yours, and so That's I just imagine point. like who is this ten year old or whatever wearing this awesome hat and possibly the accompanying rest of the outfit. <laughs> now I would like to make a suggestion to anyone who does decide to read this fan fiction. Um, I would imagine all of their Digimon partners like hovering in some sort of like digital device that they may carry on them and just like, like providing like constant commentary yeah. yes a constant <laughs> interjection to any possible situation because i'm sure they'd have things to say it's one of the strange things about advice. this fanfic that they barely talk about that and they like the, the main characters in japan i can see that where it's like oh well we've talked about this to death and like it's been oh, many years since we've been in the digital world mm. but like when someone else in that social circle comes back after not seeing them you'd think half the things they'd be talking about was like hey you remember the digital world you remember those Digimon, like mm-hmm. all these shared experiences we had. Yes, hey, do you it's remember all that about them? Like that's so self-centered. It's like, hey, do you remember that fully sentient being you hung out with? Yeah, you remember <laughs> that like best friend that you had uh-huh. for a while? That um, where are they now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they got eaten by another digital monster. Eh, whatever. But it never comes up in that context. The closest it comes is like yeah. people saying, oh, like really early on, Mimi and Joe. 
were like together for by themselves for a few nights, and the, maybe that's when like uh, the only time they mention a Digimon by name mm-hmm. is when Mimi says that stuffed otter in that toy machine looks like Gomamon, and Joe's like, oh, it doesn't look like Gomamon. And that's the only time you hear someone <laughs> express any sentiment around Digimon and even mention a Digimon, which it's like. Dom said earlier to me Mm -hmm. in the car was eliminating half of the cast. Yeah. And it really takes away from it. And I also said that I appreciate exploring the human relationships because it's one thing I really appreciate about Digimon. But taking away the Digimon doesn't make it... It makes it not Digimon. Because part of the what made Digimon an interesting series was that the Digimon themselves were fully realized characters. Exactly. And And they speak, you know. Yeah. And in Pokemon, the the TV show, they they just say their names and they were out there for a moment then they were back but in Digimon they were out all the time they talked they had personality they had reason they they like um, Izzy and his Digimon fought at the beginning yes. they didn't like each other they fucking they hated each other they had relationships <laughs> like, so, so they had to work through that and that was interesting Digimon is about friendship and it's mostly about the friendship between the humans and their Digimon companions yeah. and to neglect that in this series I understand why because this author was fixated on romance and yeah like weird digital monsters don't really play a whole role in romance it, they could it, they all, it, yeah, well uh, it's all about execution you know what I mean <laughs> I think the author was more focused on maybe exploring their own I mean this is extrapolating but I'll Having been in this position as a teenager, you know, a love-lorn teenager, maybe they were more fixated on their own romantic relationships when telling the story. Yeah. And given that they told a decent story, it's just, yeah, I don't think I would have read it. I don't read it as Digimon. Yeah, the problem is it's, it's not a Digimon story. You it's not. easily change the change the names of the characters and be its own original story. I'm exactly. still not that... Yeah, right, because really, even, but... like we said before, the characters don't necessarily ring true to their original form. Like, Izzy's really bitchy, Joe's way more, like, temperamental and uh, sometimes more forward. Like, uh, a lot of the characters are more two-dimensional in general. Kari, actually, I had the biggest problem with because she was my favorite character and the one I related most to growing up. And she kept crying over not being able to do things right for other people. Now, she is a very caring and sensitive character in the original. But she doesn't, like, break down because she can't do things right. Like, that's never happened for her. She's sensitive. She's aware. She almost has a sixth sense of empathy. And she's usually more, like, serene, you know? Like, she's a calming influence. But she keeps crying. Like, I, I don't understand that. I felt that was a really poor characterization of... My favorite character, and maybe I'm getting a little animated about it, but I relate to her. Like, and, and to characterize her as being kind of weak in that way, I, yeah. I did not agree with at all. Like, she's not the type to break down like that. With with Kari specifically, they they wrote off the entire new generation Digitets and all together in favor of the original people. Yeah, but even then, you know, she was well, always very sense, calm. She was frame. even calm as like a tiny little yeah. toddler in the first movie. Yeah, in surprisingly the face calm. Of all this. And she keeps breaking down because she can't clean Joe's glasses well enough. Like, I thought that was ridiculous. She is a person who wants to serve other people, but breaking down around it is not in her character. Well, is it safe to say we've covered all the things that we wanted to complain about in this fanfic? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. At least the main ones? Do we have to be done now? No, let's Let's try to end on a positive note. And we've talked about some of those things. Honestly, I do think I covered all of my complaints. And I do, like I said, I... I think the author's coming from a very specific place of being quite young and being invested in romance, and there's things they did very well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we've also covered the things that we liked about the fanfic, that, you know, yeah. the character is very... The character. 
the author is clearly very invested and putting themselves out there personally and like, are playful about their writing. Say something about that. All the characters kind of seem to have the same personality to me. They all seem like yeah. the same character. Yeah, that I couldn't really speak to that very well. I, I didn't get a feel of them very distinctly, but I didn't know how accurate or inaccurate it was. I do think, though, that the author, like, I think, Dom, you're right, they implied a little bit more sensitivity to each character, like, a, a like a, each character, like, breaks down in their own right, you know, and even if that character isn't prone to, like, breaking down at those specific points, like, each character's a little more emotional, which, you know, for a teenager, that makes sense, for a teenage author, and each character is, like, you know, a little bit sensitive, and then they're also a little bit, like, teasing, Right. kind of bitchy but like in a fun playful way but they play off each other in the sense that like they're both sensitive to the teasing and then they both equally want to tease at the same time which I've experienced in my life at, you know as a teenager you want to keep up with the teasing but you also feel that it harms you and I think maybe that's a very specific aspect of the author that they were trying to explore in themselves it, that's possible maybe like for me I think one of the um, main negative points I had for the fic which is like the interactions between people seemed unnecessarily antagonistic and yes, kind of off-putting. Yes, I agree. And I think that's the interactions between teenagers, to be honest. And that there wasn't actually a lot of chemistry between the romantic people. Agreed. And Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Mean, my main complaint about the conversations was just that any given one went on forever. That, like, she played yes, out every yes. scene, like... From, I don't want to say from the moment people meet up to like the moment they leave each other, but yeah, like sometimes, kind of. Yes. No, it really was. They every just kept going and going. Detail down to what they ordered to eat and ordered to drink and yes. how much money they paid at the cash register and Yoli putting the money into the cash register and every possible detail, which I think is an amateur flaw in writing, not knowing which details to include and exclude. Mm-hmm. I believe that this author is probably. Oh, like given how much they put into the world, probably fairly talented right now. But at that point, yes, an amateur. Although personally, one of the things I actually loved about this fanfic was their fixation on the food. <laughs> you know, I do like that in Japanese media when they show pictures of food all the time. But I was like, we need an order of this and this and this, and then they repeat the order like three times, <laughs> like in the karaoke scene, where it's like. Yeah, Mimi would tell Joe, Joe would repeat it, then Joe would think about when the server was going to come, and then the server would come and Joe would order the food, and then he'd think about which when the server was gonna, which food he's going to eat and which she is going to eat, and when the server is going to come with the food. Then she came and she said, here's all your food, and here's this and this and this, and then they talk about eating, we're eating this food, this food. Oh, Matt, eat your food, or I'm going to eat your this food and this food, until, and, or I'm going to eat it for you. That was a lot. But like, through the character Mimi, there was a lot of talk about food details yes, and yes. like readings of Which menus. Which is kind of cute, too. And like, in, the, in the last two chapters, in the, in the New York arc, I guess you want to call it, <laughs> they, they looked at the menu, and Mimi talked about how most menus, desserts, only have like maybe one or two things, and a creme brulee, they're feel, feeling fancy, so they want to see how fancy a restaurant is based on their selection of desserts. And as someone who has been interested in food, I yeah, I actually had to stop and make a snack a couple points. That's fair. This person did have a really good description of the food. It did make me really hungry, especially when I described all the sushi at the karaoke place. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, I thought that. Uh, Mata, did you come away with anything positive? Uh, only things we talked about earlier. I do like that it's very representative of kind of the nurturing qualities of the early fanfiction.net culture. Uh, I, I loved how they talk about um, recruiting for a IRC Digimon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
Which is dope because I remember trying to be involved in one of those back when I was a kid and, you know, never got off the ground, but great fun, you know, when you're a kid, you love that shit. And how they they were only casting people to play original characters. Yes. uh, uh, Characters from the series, no no, uh, made up characters. Yeah. So they want everybody to play a specific role. <laughs> I love that, though. I, I miss that element. You know, I yeah. really do in a certain way. I miss being that young, and I miss having that sort of thing on the internet. I don't know if it still exists, but anyway. I miss being young enough to engage with it, I guess. It has to somewhere, right? I guess. Yeah, I think it probably. must, yeah. I joined anyway. one of those once. Someone, someone from my old Sailor Moon cosplay group that I was in in high school, which is also mortifying, <laughs> um, like recruited me great. for one at some point and I, like as a tabletop gamer I was like no DMs so, like everybody's just doing whatever they want <laughs> this is madness but I was like I'll play in the Sailor Moon chat room RP if I can be a one shot Yoma who dies at the end because oh my god my thought was that That's like smart. in an RP yeah in an RP like that everyone wants to show off how cool their character is right, so I don't totally. want to bring a cool character I want to bring an opportunity for other people to show off that their characters are cool and blow me that up. That is so sweet of you. Well, I, I'm it was fun, actually. I want. I want to say it that. Is, though. I love that. In all our years playing uh, tabletop role playing games together, that's totally our style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Just try, try, trying mean, to be the weak, weakest, weirdest characters possible. I hate Absolutely. it when people just try to be the cool guy. Like I want to be the fucking freak. We, we like a, I want to like not not be like chaotic, stupid, but like just be like the weirdo. Like, I don't need skills. I don't need talents. I just need just to be interesting. We, we had that whole series of games where we were just trying to be gnomes in the most gnomish way possible. <laughs> yes, gnomes in yes. 3.5 D&D. Live in the real world. <laughs> Which is exactly what the author of this fan fiction did. They yeah. tried to live in the real world. Maybe it wasn't super accurate, but they tried to put themselves into, like, reality here. And also, I like that. They didn't I, try to make anyone OP, you know? They just they made it real. I think I love and or hate the term of the use Ficky, which they used a lot. What does that mean? F I C C Y. F I C C Y. They're calling fanfics fickies. I didn't pick up on that. It's a cute way to say fic. Yeah, At the time, I hated it. Now that I have a little bit more distance, it's it's cuter. It's than, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. It's part of the culture. <laughs> I don't part know. of the. It's let me mispronounce the... patois again. <laughs> Was it patois? Patois. See, I say patois too. I don't know. I, I know Sprechen, whatever that is. Sprechen is Deutsch. Well, speaking of tabletop role-playing games, sort of, our next fanfic is going to be Slayers Reflect by Two Flower. Ooh, good transition. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Slayers is not actually directly (laughs) based on a tabletop RPG. Isn't it, though? Wasn't it originally based off of a... Like a D and D story off the uh, Japanese version of the Dragon Magazine. I think I misunderstood. I think the Japanese Dragon Magazine was not the TSR magazine. It was another magazine. Still mm. very, similar. but still, it's it's clearly right out of tabletop role playing. Right. Um, anyway, and I have only ever read Slayer's fan fiction by Two Flower, like this one, ever mm. in my life. But I've read this more than once, at least twice in my life, because I remember <laughs> it being very good and fairly well known at the time. And it should be a good read. Um, we'll set up a link to the author's website, which is still online, at bit.ly slash RFR Slayers Reflect. And I'm sure everybody will read that before listening to our episode. Right? <laughs> of course. That's what we expect. We uh-huh. expect nothing less. And if you're not willing to commit, then get the fuck off. Does, does that include us also? Yeah, exactly. Shit. Sorry. From now on, we're not going to talk about anything that happened in the fan fiction. We're just going to talk around it. Um, We're just going to talk about who read, read and didn't read it. That's right. right. We'll get <laughs> We're going to name names. <laughs> uh, right. No, it's okay. If you did not read it, that's okay. We'll talk about it. 
Hopefully you'll still time. enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. This was episode five. <laughs> I, of... I laughed at it. <laughs> I don't know why you laugh at it. <laughs> this was episode five of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. It was My Youth by Tachikawa Mimi. About Tachikawa Mimi. You can find a copy of it on fanfiction.net, and we have our quick link to it at bit.ly slash rfr my youth. I'm Amato. This is War Toriumon. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other in a digital world. Until next time, take care. Bye. I love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Retro Fanfic Retrospective. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Like, Tori, if you've got the time, like, yeah. forward you, like, watch a couple episodes in one of the movies or whatever. Okay. Uh, or in the OAVs, whatever. Just sure, to, like, why not? remember who the characters are. So right now I'm pretty invested in Terrace House. That's fine. <laughs> I, I support that. We should read a Terrace House fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> we'd have to write one. Yeah. And then oh, send it back I... in time 15 years. Well, yeah. we'll create a new podcast devoted to Terrace House. Oh, I, I was listening back to the first episode. It's cutting-edge fanfic uh, deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the podcast about our podcast? No, that's the podcast about new fanfics. Oh, okay. Cutting edge fanfics. Okay. okay.